Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapine. Like the last episode, I'm going to go through the Week 6 slate with thoughts for every game. Starting on Thursday night, Bucks at Eagles. Tampa Bay's offense looks like the best in the league, and I'm honestly undecided, but I might have Tom Brady as my overall QB2 over Patrick Mahomes and the updated rest of season rankings. I have no idea how he was ranked as a low-end QB1 by the consensus for draft rankings, but anyone who took TB12 as a high-end QB1 is surely happy with the results. I don't think the Eagles will be able to cover the Bucks on Thursday night, and it might be Chris Godwin's turn to have a monster game. I'm also hopeful that Rob Gronkowski is back, and he'd immediately need to be back in the high-end, tight end one range, if so. All the pass-catching options, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Gronk, should be started confidently. The Eagles will almost certainly need to make it a shootout to have a shot, and Jalen Hurst continues to play great football, despite more issues on the offensive line, and he's been a cheat code for fantasy purposes since taking over as a starter in 2020. Last week, he was stuck with under a handful of points for much of the game, and then you blink and he's got 23 points. Philadelphia might not even think about trying to run with Miles Sanders this week, but Hurt should still have rushing lanes to continue his fantasy dominance. At tight end, Dallas Goddard being placed on the COVID-19 list opens the door for Zach Ertz to be a worthwhile start in all formats. On the perimeter, I'm surprised Jalen Waddell didn't get more opportunities versus Tampa Bay shaky coverage. Devontae Smith is an obvious start, and both Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins are worth a look as high upside flex plays because of their big play potential. Smith in particular should be able to turn Richard Sherman around, and I have him as my wide receiver 20 for week 6. Sticking with Waddle as we move on to the London game, he gets another shot to break out with an explosive performance against Jacksonville, and the expected return of Tua Tagovailoa will only boost his outlook. I'm expecting big days from both him and Mike Kosicki, and with the way the Dolphins have played on defense, there is hope for a shootout if the Jags are prepared to play in London. For Jacksonville, coinciding with the increased usage of Trevor Lawrence as a runner, James Robinson has averaged 6.2 yards per carry and 105 rushing yards per game over the past three weeks, totaling four touchdowns over that span. He should be trusted as a top 10 play, and in general, the Dolphins have struggled defensively. Back in the U.S. for the 1 p.m. slate, Christian McCaffrey should return just in time to face me in my home league, and Minnesota has showed continued vulnerability versus opposing running backs. The time to make a trade for McCaffrey for those looking ahead to the playoffs is likely over. Though it is worth noting that last year, McCaffrey seemed close to a return, and it kept being pushed back, so maybe hold on to Chuba Hubbard until we see what happens. For the Vikings, I'd expect Dalvin Cook to return, and resting in Week 5 should turn out to be a positive for his long-term outlook. The late fumble for Alexander Madison against Detroit will only make it more likely that Cook operates as a workhorse, and Carolina showed some holes late against the Eagles. For the Minnesota wideouts, D.D. Westbrook saw four targets last week, and he's a name to monitor in the event of an injury to Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. K.J. Osborne still played ahead of Westbrook, but it wouldn't be a surprise if that soon flipped. Moving on to perhaps the best matchup of Week 6, Chargers at Ravens should be a shootout considering how good Los Angeles has been combined with how much Baltimore has thrown compared to the past couple of years. As we saw last week with both guys putting up 40-plus fantasy points, Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson both have overall QB1 potential in any given week for any given matchup. I'd expect Herbert to Mike Williams to remain a hot connection, and I'll have Williams as a top-five wideout for Week 6. In the Baltimore backfield, Latavius Murray has established himself as a guy with three touchdowns in five games, but Tyson Williams, who was active on Monday night, is worth a speculative claim based on the juice he showed early in the season. I'd say he's the presumed target for reported trade talks about Baltimore running backs, and I'd like the Eagles to check in if Miles Sanders doesn't turn it on soon. For this week, the Chargers look vulnerable versus the run, so I'd have Murray as a low-end RB2, 
and Williams is worth looking at as a flex for deeper leagues. Also, it sounds like Rashad Bateman should finally make his debut, and his size can be impactful over the middle of the field versus some smaller defenders for the Chargers. As stated last week, the injury history of Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins, the latter of whom left last night's game with a hamstring injury, makes Bateman a decent add in redraft leagues. For the other Los Angeles team, Matthew Stafford will take on the Giants this week, and after another shaky start versus Seattle, he's not an automatic play versus an underrated defense of New York. Until Saquon Barkley and everyone else gets healthy, the Giants might need to win lower-scoring games, and we'll see if they can accomplish that versus the Rams. The one guy who has been healthy on offense for the Giants is Kadarius Toney, and while there are concerns about basically having a committee at wide receiver when Shepard and Slayton are ready to return, the rookie might be too much of a game-breaker to keep off the field. I honestly didn't see this coming in 2021 based on how the summer and season started, but Jason Garrett deserves credit for working Tony into the game plan for each of the past two weeks. As far as the Rams' target distribution, we could see things shift back towards Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson more after Robert Woods got involved in Week 5, but Woods is certainly more of a confident wide receiver too after being featured against Seattle. Next up, Houston at Indy in the AFC South. Tyrod Taylor likely won't be ready to return this week, so the Colts defense should be a waiver priority wherever available, as they'll have plenty of upside versus Davis Mills. Indy badly needs a win after Monday night's collapse, and not that the Patriots did, but the Colts won't be taking Houston's playmakers lightly. On offense, Jonathan Taylor was finally involved by getting the ball in space, but having 12 touches in the fourth quarter is inexcusable, so we'll see if the early usage eventually carries over into a full game. Either way, the talent is undeniable, and Houston is a great matchup, so I have Taylor as my RB3 for Week 6. Other than him, Brandon Cooks, and maybe Michael Pittman or Naheem Hines, I'd not be too confident about starting anyone in this game. I would be confident starting the Chiefs, as always, and that's despite their recent struggles. For this week, Washington has not lived up to their 2020 performance, and fantasy owners can expect huge days out of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Also, Josh Gordon should be more involved, but I'd say Kansas City's weakness in the long run is not having a slot receiver that can uncover underneath. Having someone like Cole Beasley would be huge for them to make defenses pay for having two safeties back. I know Patrick Mahomes has 16 touchdowns this season, but it's fair to wonder if the 2018 season is being too highly regarded in terms of viewing Mahomes as a top QB1, both redraft and dynasty leagues. I think Josh Allen now has that title. And again, Tom Brady is right in the conversation too. Kansas City will be without Clyde Edwards-Elair for at least this week. So Daryl Williams should be a priority on waiver wires. He's never really had a huge regular season game, but the veteran turned 17 touches into 94 yards last postseason in a start for Edward Zeller, and Washington continues to struggle on defense. The same is true for the Chiefs, and that's a bigger issue than anything going on on offense. Taylor Heineke should be able to bounce back for a possible track meet on Sunday, and Antonio Gibson looked healthy enough with a couple of scores in Week 5. Heineke is one of Sunday's top streaming options, even with Curtis Samuel now facing another absence. I'd be less confident in Justin Fields, as even though he looked healthy following a knee hyperextension in last week's win, Pro Football Doc, who many are surely familiar with, said the worry is swelling afterwards, similar to George Kittle when he went down on Halloween a couple of years ago and eventually missed games despite returning that night. Overall, it's another reason, even assuming he plays, to be low on Fields in redraft leagues with limited rushing production to begin with. The rookie has only totaled 25 rushing yards over the past three games, which is less than Tom Brady. That said, to have a shot against the Packers, Fields will have to throw more than he has to date, and getting Allen Robinson more involved is key. He's unfortunately been miscast with a limited downfield role in Matt Nagy's offense, and Robinson is entering a now-or-never, or at least now-or-2022 stretch to close out the month.
We are also waiting for a breakout game for Robert Tonyan, who I thought would have a shot in Week 5. He scored in each meeting against the Bears last year, and in general, the Packers scored 38 points per game in those matchups. I'll give Tonyan the Jonu Smith ultimatum, with him hopefully finding the end zone this week. To close out the 1 p.m. slate, Bengals at Lions. I ended up moving DeAndre Swift down in my draft rankings largely due to the uncertainty of his summer groin injury, but the work in the passing game was always reason to believe he could be an RB1, and that's come to fruition so far with a season-long pace of nearly 100 receptions. Even without Frank Ragno at center, he should stay hot versus Cincinnati. For the Bengals, Joe Mixon playing last week was basically unprecedented after not practicing on Wednesday through Friday, and there's hope he'll be more like himself against Detroit. Keep an eye on his practice status, but especially with Samaj P. Ryan on the COVID-19 list, Mixon can be back to his borderline RB1 ways if he gets in at least a limited practice by Friday. For the wideouts, T. Higgins' return really hurts Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzuma, but Jamar Chase had a season-high 10 targets and 159 yards last week, so he's trending right past wide receiver 2 range into the wide receiver 1 ranks. With buys kicking in, I have Chase as my wide receiver 11 for week 6. Now the trio of 4 o'clock games, starting with Cardinals-Browns, you could tell Nick Chubb was going to break a long run last week from the very first possession, and that's what happened with the 52-yard touchdown. Chubb ended up finishing with 161 rushing yards on 21 attempts, and it's just hilarious to me seeing those who faded him during draft ranking somehow viewing that as a victory lap just because Kareem Hunt takes a chunk of work. The season is young, but through five games, Chubb has 523 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, and career highs in yards per carries at 5.8, and rushing yards per game at 104.6. You're crazy if you want to take that production from your first-round fantasy pick. The Cardinals also have a two-headed backfield, and I'd be sticking with Chase Edmonds as an RB2 option despite disappointing last week. James Conner will always handle the goal line touches, but Edmonds was banged up against the Niners, and Arizona's offense should be much more explosive for a potential shootout against the Browns. For the wideouts behind DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and Rondale Moore are all worth flex consideration against a secondary that just allowed Mike Williams to get deep for two wide-open touchdowns. For Dallas at New England, Damon Harris sounds like he's fine after getting banged up last week. And for my own sanity, I'll take the league's word that he didn't cross the goal line with the ball secured on a second would-be touchdown. I've yet to see an angle that shows that, but either way, Harris has lost two fumbles this season, and Ramondre Stevenson getting out of the doghouse could lead to more of an even split. I'm still holding Harris and hopeful he could be an RB2 option, especially seeing as New England didn't have basically their entire starting offensive line against the Texans. For the pass catchers of the Patriots, Nelson Aguilar hasn't put up big numbers, but I hope Josh McDaniels uses him exactly how Kadarius Tony was used last week against Dallas. While you can't have a ton of confidence in him for season-long leagues, I like him as a cheap DFS option. On the Dallas offense, they continue to roll, and it will be interesting to see how the pass defend them on Sunday. I'd say J.C. Jackson will shadow Amari Cooper with C.D. Lamb getting double teamed, but you can't bench either of them for Dak Prescott. Also, especially with bye weeks kicking in, Tony Pollard is a strong flex option. To close out the late slate, I'll just talk about the on-field impact of John Gruden resigning as head coach of the Raiders, as his offensive mind and play calling is one of the game's best, so I don't see how Derek Carr and the entire offense can't be downgraded. You're sticking with Darren Waller as a high-end tight end one, and Josh Jacobs as an every-week RB2, but beyond that, it will be difficult to trust the young wideouts. In Dynasty Leagues, you have to downgrade Derek Carr, they wouldn't be a surprise if the Raiders decided to basically blow things up after the season. The sudden change at head coach, combined with how Las Vegas played run defense to begin with, makes Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams both RB2 candidates against a run defense that was dominated by Chicago. I still lean towards Gordon as a better play, and he notably had a 60-40 split in terms of snaps, the biggest of the season, 
with Denver trailing against Pittsburgh in Week 5. For the Sunday night game, we get Geno Smith in primetime once again, and he showed extremely well off the bench for an injured Russell Wilson in a near-upset victory over the Rams. I think DK Metcalf will be fine with him at quarterback, but Tyler Lockett, who has a special connection with Wilson, could have more floor games with Geno under center. In the backfield, Chris Carson should hopefully be okay with his neck injury after a long rest, and Alex Collins should pose no threat to his status as a lead back. Seattle needs to lean on the run more, and Smith's competence at quarterback is reason to believe Carson's RB2 outlook remains firmly intact. The Steelers also had a significant injury with Juju Smith-Schuster now done for the year, but James Washington is a very good receiver, and Ben Roethlisberger trusts him. Although there will be quiet gains, Washington should be an underrated flex with big play upside, and you should invest now before 2022 for agency. You can also buy low on Juju in Dynasty Leagues if you believe in the talent, and the Chiefs reportedly wanting him earlier this year is at least notable. Closing out the week, Buffalo at Tennessee. It was hilarious to see how shook Chris Collinsworth was having to watch Josh Allen dominate the Chiefs last week. If you search Collinsworth's name on social media, you'll see everyone rightfully pointing out how biased he was. Sorry, Josh Allen broke your PFF belief system, but Collinsworth's job is to call the game without bias, and he's taking Allen's leap to the upper echelon of quarterbacks very, very personal because his company didn't think Allen was good coming out of Wyoming. For the fantasy angle, Allen should be more confident than ever, and he's my top quarterback play once again. I hope the fantasy gods have mercy on me when I face him and Christian McCaffrey this week. Defensively, Buffalo is likely to pour resources into stopping Derrick Henry. Now is a good time for A.J. Brown to break out. It feels like a spot where he can take a short pass to the house by slipping a tackle at the catch point, and I wouldn't panic on a superstar talent. That's what Brown is. You also shouldn't panic on Stephon Diggs, and he will eventually go off when teams start to give more respect to Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox. Even if Diggs and A.J. Brown both disappoint on Monday night, I'd buy everywhere I can. As has become a weekly occurrence, I'd also recommend holding Trey Sermon or picking him up if he was dropped in your league. You can see our full waiver wire rankings at wolfsports.com, but don't sleep on guys like Sermon and Sony Michelle over the short-term plays like Devontae Booker or Daryl Williams. You can also find our full rankings at wolfsports.com. That includes dynasty rankings that we update at least a couple of times a month. And that will conclude this episode of the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. As always, please rate, follow, and subscribe. And you can listen to the Wolf Sports Show for general NFL content. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.